0: To turn my mic on, apparently, there you go. Thank you, worship team, this morning. Um, church, last November, on the 3rd of November, at 12.15, God spoke to me. He dropped something into my spirit. I have, I think I've shared with you before, um, I have a wee thing called a sermon garden on my phone. And when God drops something into my spirit, I will often write it down. I will think about it. I will pray about it. And often the sermon will come out of that. But this was a way, way back last November, the 3rd of November. And probably other than we were at an end of a series last week, I probably should have been preaching the message last week. But here we are. And it was this line. And it was this lie. I don't fit in lie I don't fit in and as I say I've moulded over for a year I had the lovely privilege of sharing it with someone really precious to encourage them and the Lord a wee while ago but this morning I really feel I want to share it with us as a body of believers you know I, th- I suppose we've all been there at some stage in our lives haven't we when we've been in a situation or at some point where we've really felt we're not fitting in just me in the room? Am I the only oddball? Or have you all felt that at some point where you felt you haven't felt it? Whether that be in school, or you've been on a course, or a social situation, or a work situation. a Way, way back, um, and I blame Christine McMacken for this. <laughs> Love you, wee sister. But a way, way back, years and years ago, Christine told me that I would be foolish to th- not take a place on the PCSE course because it was like hen's teeth. Do you remember that now, Christy? And I did that course, but part of that course, you were farmed out nearly every month on placements. And I used to dread placements because you would go to some institutions or places and, you know, people would have been so friendly. They would have greeted you at the door. They'd have told you what you were supposed to be doing that day. And they would say, come along and see what you're supposed to be doing. And they would be helpful. And then there was other places you would go to. And the whole day you felt like a spur part. You were standing there, nobody spoke to you, nobody included you, nobody told you what you were supposed to do, and you would dread the day going in because it was so long, and you would dread the next day going in because you would think, I haven't a clue what I'm supposed to be doing here. You know, as Christians, there are environments that we probably at times, even in our salvation, feel that we are maybe a bit like a fish out of water, have you ever been in an environment like that as a believer in Jesus? You just feel a wee bit like a fish out of water. And I suppose we we live as Christians in a paradox. You know, we're in the world, but we're not off the world. Can you put your finger in your Bible in two places this morning? John 17, and we're going to read verses 14 to 19. John 17, verses 14 to 19. And then keep your finger in Matthew chapter five, and we're going to read verses 13 to 16. So that's John 17, 14 to 19, and Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And John 17 says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself and they too may be truly sanctified. And then go over to back to Matthew 5. And it says this in verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again if it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot? You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it into its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father In heaven. You know, we know as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are truly following Him, we will be hated at some point if we're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially by those who are sold out to the Father of lies, the enemy, the devil. But Christ told us in His Word, He says, You're going to have trouble. See, if you choose to follow me, if you take up your cross and you're going to follow me, you're going to have trouble in this world because you have an association with me. I think we talked about it last Sunday and I'd said that how I, you know, I think we're living in a generation where more and more the the ethos of life is this, that God's word is out of touch with the world. But we know as believers, it's the opposite. This world is so out of touch with God's word. It is so out of touch with God's word. And in the last days, we know that there will be persecution of the church and there will be a falling away. And we will soon know who really is persevering in the faith and following the Lord. We see that we are not always welcome because of who we follow. And we're not of this world. And sometimes it is hard to navigate through this world when that is how we live, as we're called to be salt and light. Now we know salt is a healer, salt will preserve, salt there's so much good in salt, but also salt can sting, and some people don't like the sting of a salt. We know light brings illumination, we know light brings uh, hope and darkness, but sometimes light also shows up what people don't want to be seen. And that's why, as a people who are called to live in this world, but we're not offered, we don't have the same values of this world. That's why at times when we're called to be salt and light in the situations as we carry God's presence into our world, which is a part of our values here at East Point, as we carry God's presence into our world, that is why we're not always adhered in certain situations. Because we carry that salt and we carry that light and there are situations that as believers we shouldn't be in the bible says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for the partners what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness and what fellowship has light with darkness So we're called not to be in deep relationship with people who are not on the same road as we are. Now, can I clarify this? If you are a saved husband and your wife's not saved or a saved wife and your husband's not saved, what does that mean for you? The Bible tells us that you remain in that situation and God wants you to be in that situation as long as your partner will work with you and be a part of you. God says that's what you do, but we're not the enter into relationships like that. We're not darkness and light are not supposed to mix in that fellowship in that way. And it comes, that unequally yoked thing comes from the old farming situation where there was wood put over the back of two animals to ply the field. And I think it's in Deuteronomy somewhere it says about, you know, you're not to put, say, a a donkey with an ox. Why? Because they're out of sync. If you put two animals the same, they will walk the same, they will feel the same, they will walk the way you want them to walk. But if you put two different species, they'll pull away. Uh, And do you know, I have to say that this scripture I see a lot of grace in this for the person. Actually, sometimes we look at that and it's just for us as believers, but I believe there's an awful lot in that scripture where God wants to protect people from the hurt that aren't believers yet of knowing that the person that they are with will always put the Lord Jesus Christ first because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it is a difficult situation For those of us that are maybe in that, but we thank God for His grace, that He gives us enough grace to love that person in our lives and show them the love of God. But here is a scripture that's telling us that we need to be careful who we do life with. I know somebody gave the illustration one time about, you know, it's easier for somebody to pull us down than somebody to pull us up. Maybe should have got somebody to do that this morning try to pull me up on the platform, you'd need Jackie, you could do it. you're a fit girl, I'll tell ya. <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain situations we're not to be in. But what about us this morning? When there's times where we feel not fitting in. I'm not fitting in. Back to John 17 and 15. Jesus said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, guys, you know you're getting old when you start to love wildlife programs. I'm at that age now. When a wildlife program comes on, I just want to watch it. You know, I want to watch what's going on and all the time. See, since we got that wee dog, boy, two years, almost two years ago, I am now a converted animal lover. Beforehand, I wouldn't have done them any harm, but I wouldn't have been bothered. But now that we have got boy, it is so, so different. And you know, friends, I am that person. Really am. I was the one, we're not getting the dog. Wore me down, we got the dog. And then I was that person... He'll stay in the family room. It's a tiled room and only in the family room. And it was a case of that's where he's got, he's knocking into the good room. That's where the visitors come. The dog will stay in that room. He will not be in the bedroom. He will not be on the bed. Let's just say I feel it all quite therapeutic now. (laughs) But you know when I'm watching those wildlife programs and the big wildebeest is running from the lion, and I'm shouting at the TV to the mommy, look after your baby, don't let him isolate your baby, keep an eye on your baby. I am shouting at the TV, telling this mommy to look after their baby. I'm watching the other ones the other wilder and a group at the other side of all that's going off there thinking, huh, so much for United we stand and divided we fall. What are you just all standing there for? You see, there's one thing the enemy of your soul wants to do, and it's this: he wants to isolate you. He wants to make you feel you are on your own. He wants you to be out there and think that nobody cares. And you are different from everybody else. It's an amazing tactic that the enemy has. Because if he can isolate you, he can pull you away, he can discourage you, and just like the lion after the wildebeest, he can bring you down. You don't fit in. That's a lie, church. And here's why. Why? We don't have time to read through them all, but the guys are going to put them on the screen and you can write them down. You look at Ephesians 2 and 11 to 13, 2 to 19, 3 to 6, Romans 11, 17 to 24. And these scriptures remind us of these things, that we're united with Christ Jesus. Remember our series the last three weeks, we have Jesus. We have a great high priest, No, I've forgotten. <laughs> It'll come back. We have confidence and we have the anger of our soul. We've got Jesus. We're not on our own. He is in our life, And we are united through that blood that he shed on Christ. Cal- we are united with him. And if we've got Jesus in us, we can never be alone. And we know that he unites us to be members of his family not just the worldwide family of God, but I believe the Lord wants us to connect with a smaller group of the family of God that we feel loved and cherished and that we are known. We are part of the body and the Bible says in Romans, he has grafted us in, grafted us into the body of God. He has brought us, we were once outside, now he has brought us in and we are grafted into him. The word makes it clear we fit in. God can make us fit in. Now, I know some of us are sitting this morning thinking, but pastor, you, you don't know how odd I am. I am different to everybody else. Let me tell you, our God knows you created you and we're going to look at that in a wee bit more God is a supernatural God believe me if God called you, God will fit you in he's fitted you into his heart, to his body and he will fit you in to his church now friends I want to leave the spiritual aspect of that for one wee second and we're going to do a wee almost like party political broadcast because we're getting used to those at the moment okay we're going to do a wee bit of home sort of stuff on a practical note, because I think there's a wee practical teaching here as well. There's the spiritual truth, but there is a practical teaching. Back to my placement days. You know, friends, I dreaded going in, because you just knew, depending on what the staff were like there, you were either going to be welcomed and helped, or you felt like a spare part. And, you know, we've been congratulated by so many people that visit East Point. And they will say to us, what a welcome you get when you come to your church. The handshakes at the door, the hugs at the door. Everybody makes you feel so welcome. And that is really, really good. But I think we need to go beyond the welcome at the door to making people feel that they have been engrafted into our body. I want you to think about the last time you went somewhere for the very first time on your own and you had to walk through the door. Already some of you are starting to sweat. The palms are getting sweaty. You're getting that anxious (laughs) feeling, the thought of having to go into somewhere for the first time and you don't know anybody and you don't know what to expect. We've all been there. And, you know, we come into this place, we love it, we hang out with each other, we look forward to it. But let's think about someone else who doesn't know us, who's coming in here for the first time, how can we make that person just not feel welcomed at the door, but also engrafted into this body? We need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We need to go and we need to be welcoming to people. So when you see someone new coming through the door, you know, we're all on duty, not just the people wearing T-shirts on front of house, okay? We're all on duty. So it's our collective responsibility to go and to say to somebody hello. Now, this is what you don't do. Don't plunk yourself down beside somebody and say, I'm gonna keep you company today. They're just gonna think you're weird. Okay. You know, and I know we're Pentecostals, and I know God gives us words of revelation. But the thing you have to do when somebody's new in church is you need to go over, you need to say to them your name and ask them their name. And when they say their name, just don't go, I know God told me. (laughs) Too weird. Really weird, okay? Just say, hi, my name. What's your name, all right? Ask them their name. Speak to them. What do you talk about? Well... In those few moments you may have with that person, just tell them where everything is. If they're there on their own or they've children, let them know where there's crash. If, if they look like they, maybe a couple or whatever, just say, look, if you've kids, we've got kids' church, we've got a crash. you know, the toilets are down that corridor. Um, just let them know where everything is. What we do in our meeting. One thing I love about these Point is communion never the same any Sunday mornings. But every church you go to, they'll do communion different. Now, it just so happens at East Point, our communion will fluctuate from Sunday to Sunday, and that's lovely, it keeps it fresh. And let that person know that, you know, we will probably be breaking bread this morning in church and what that means, and just say to the, the person, listen, um, you know, the guy or the lady who will be officiating at the table this morning will let us know how that works. Sometimes we hold the glass and we hold the bread afterwards or we take it at separate times, but look, they'll tell us what to do. And tell them, just like our offering, if you're not prepared and didn't know that you'd do this, look, please just let the pasca pass you by and let the emblems pass you by as well. Nobody will take it under their notice. That's okay. But make them feel at home and Sunday. Ask them to stay for coffee afterwards. Introduce them to somebody else. And please never, never, ever, ever say to somebody who comes to the church, you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> now, you know you your wee pastor. I've been told I'm a gentle wee chap. But if you ever say that to somebody, you and the seat will go out the door. <laughs> Only jesting. Guys, never say that. That is the worst thing anybody can say to make somebody feel unwelcome in church. Go and find another seat. Sit there. Oh, Lord. But back to the spiritual. But what about you? In those moments, I think we've all been there where the enemies tried to make us think that we don't fit in, especially to the local church. Can I remind you to remind yourself of what the Word of God has said? That you're united with Christ Jesus. And as a child of God, you're here with his welcome and his love. He has made you a part of his family, a part of his body, and he's grafted you into the vine. I suppose our best illustration of that is when we see skin grafts. And isn't it amazing what the medical profession can do today? The people get skin grafts and some of them look like there's no blemish whatsoever and they're engrafted back. And the Lord is taking all of us and he's engrafting us into his body. That is the spiritual truth. What are we going to do? Are we going to believe God when he says, I've brought you in, I've engrafted you? Are we going to believe our emotions? And I want to talk about that in a wee minute as well. Friends, we need to celebrate and declare some things. See, when the enemy comes and tries to say, you're different, can you remember to remind the enemy of this verse? Genesis 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You're not that different. You were created in the image of God. Do you know, heaven must have been such a party that day when Adam was made. Look, we've made someone just like us. And I know in our world, we've put ourselves through so much that times we look at individuals like we have gone so far away from what we were supposed to look like that that can be hard to see. But yet God has spoken over us and He says, I have created you in my image. God's word also tells us for the believer in Romans 8 and 29 that we were predestined to be the image of the Son. And I don't know about you, but I can say it of me. I know I'm not quite there yet. But I, what I do know is that I can see Jesus in you. I hope you can see something of Jesus in me. And the more we work with the Holy Spirit to be more like His Son, the Lord Jesus, I don't know about you, but I like hanging about with Jesus people. I find Jesus people quite easy to love because I love Jesus. And when we're working in that program to be more like Jesus, it's easier to fall in love with God's church when we are acting and we're behaving in the way that Jesus behaves. That's attractional and that's also of worth. Sometimes we feel... We are different and we are odd. I suppose the Bible says we are peculiar people. You have to take that. But I want to say this to you this morning. You were created in God's image. But we also need to realize that the creator has creative license. And just like we physically don't look all the same, and that would be a boring world, wouldn't it? If we all looked the same. And it's lovely when church, we can be here and we can all look differently and yet we're all valued and loved. But we need to remind ourselves and tell ourselves when we get to a place where we feel we are so different, what God spoke over us was this, Psalm 139, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Can we take a wee moment? Can we say that together? I am fearfully... And wonderfully made. Now, I said this time like you believe it I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your God knew what He was doing when He made you just the way you are. Jackie and I have a mutual friend, and she's amazing. Um, I don't think I ever paid for a haircut. The whole time I was in Newcastle, she had a, herb, a barber's business, and oftentimes in church on Sunday morning she would say to me, you need to be in my, she called it the headmaster's office, and she would say to me, you need to be in my office this week. You need her, Donna, he needs a haircut, get him up to the thing. And a bit like myself, you know, sometimes I struggle with my weight, and um, I like to cheese and onion too much. <laughs> And we often would be each other to lose weight and to you know be a wee bit more healthy. one day she was stand cutting my ear and she says this to me. I really roared. She says, standing, cut in my ear she says, Stephen, what about when we get to heaven and the Lord says this? Uh, you were supposed to be that shape. <laughs> Words of wisdom. You were supposed to be that shape. Now of course we know we need to be healthy, but Guys, have you ever thought you were created the way you are because that's the way God wanted you? And that you, there is a uniqueness within you and that there's a purpose within your uniqueness? God never gets it wrong. And 1 Peter 4 and 10, he says, gifted by grace to serve others. And do you know, Gifts in us will look different. One gift in your personality will be different from somebody else and it will cause you to have passions about different things. Therefore, your personality will be different about one thing than the other. But that's all good. And that's the way it was supposed to be. Come with me. You know this passage so well, but we're going to take time to read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's just... Look at this. It talks about the unity and the diversity of the body. First Corinthians twelve, and we're starting to read at verse twelve, and it says, "As just as the body, though one has many parts, but all parts from one body, so it is with Jesus. For we were all baptized with one spirit, so that from one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we who are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many." Now, verse 15 says this. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I will not belong to the body. If it would not for the reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. I would not for the reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the body the parts of the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, what would be the what would be what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And these parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need to be specially treated, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that part should have equal concern to each other. And one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And you have been placed in the church first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then the gift of healing, of helping, of guidance, different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. There are parts of me, and for the sake of you this morning, I'm quite glad they're covered by skin. I would not be like to be looking at some of my inners. And we're all glad of that, but we couldn't live without them. God created you in your uniqueness to serve the church with your gift in a grace that he gives gave you that only you can fulfill. That's why you're needed and you're valued. And maybe next week we'll look at some things around the gifts and importance of the gifts. But you are needed and you're valued. But at times you will still have that feeling, do I not fit in? Many moons ago when I went off to Bible College, And many of you prayed for me and sent me off and supported me in prayer financially to get me through those days. I remember in the first semester of college, sitting in a room full of people that I knew loved me. Great fun. We were all born again in the Spirit of God. We all had great fun together. We all enjoyed being together. And yet sitting in that room with other students, I never felt so lonely in all my life. And all I wanted to do was be back here with my home, my family and my church family, where I felt I belonged. I just felt I did not belong there. Even though they were loving towards me and they were great with me, I just missed being at home. I'm going to let you know how bad I am. I'm such a suck. I remember one day walking to the bottom of the London Road because I thought if I use the phone, in the block, and anybody passes me, I hear voices from home, I'm going to burn my lambside. So I walked to the bottom of the London Road, the pay box, in those days when we didn't have mobiles, walked to the bottom of the road, lifted the phone and rang home, and I broke my heart, and I could hear Donna's mommy saying to Donna, tell him I'll send him the money, book a flight, tell him to come home. I just missed home. But there was one day in particular I sat in the room and I and I was so felt so alone and wanting to be home, not awful homesick. But it was out of not just the fact of losing fellowship of the people here that I loved. But it was also the fact that I thought I don't fit in because I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I won't be able to be successful. I won't be able to do the study. I'm not going to be able to do this. And I felt so isolated. And you know, guys, again, I went back to my room. The college, the, 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 the block that we lived in, Eugene and Dennis were there as well, was like a T-shape. And I lived in the upper floor in the middle room of the back T-shape. And later on, one of the girls... I'm a, I'm a girl, I could go in for Ulster, honestly. One of the girls in the class had also slipped out. And she said to me, Stephen, are you okay? She says, I can hear you. She's going, oh. Like, I love you, plum. <laughs> she goes, oh, are we pastor? But guys, I was breaking my heart. So breaking my heart. But God spoke to me. And do you know... It wasn't an audible voice. And it doesn't. I think it's only happened to me this once this way. But it was a scriptural reference. I felt God put a scriptural reference in my heart. And it's one that you will know so well. But, you know, even as a Bible college student, the reference came, but I couldn't think what it was. I had to go and look what it said. And here's what it said. Are you not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them fall to the ground outside your father's car. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. And for a wee lad that was there without the backing of a physical father, do you know that was my turning point? Because I knew that nothing would happen outside my father's car, my heavenly father's car, that was enough that morning for me, for God to say, come on, son, you're going to be all right. Come on, son, you're going to be okay. I'm with you and you're going to fit in. And this morning, church, for where you're at, can I just say that your heavenly father loves you, has called you and has put worth on you. But sometimes we also need to be gentle rebuke. And I'm guilty of this too. You see, see the church thing? It's a sharing thing. Did you know that? It's like your last rollo. You have to share it. In church, we were created to be a sharing people. You go to x We share fellowship. We share at the table. We're to share our possessions. We're to share our lives one with the other. You see, fellowship is opening up to each other and I know for some of us the thought of be getting up and praying in public is so difficult and that's okay. But sometimes we can have smaller groups where we can open our heart to another believer and let that person know how we feel and allow them to minister into us. And we may not be able to do that in a bigger circle, but in the smaller circle. And sometimes that small circle of believers and people who love you is enough to help you realize that you are valued and that you are loved. Church, I just want to declare to you this morning, if you're feeling I don't fit in, It's a lie of the enemy. He wants you to think you don't fit in. Biblically teaching this morning, God says you're engrafted in. You belong to the family of God. And as a people of God here, let's be aware of others. And let's make people feel valued and loved. Be the hands and the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's help ourselves. Sometimes we just need to push ourselves out a wee bit and open up a wee bit more and allow people to know that God has put giftings in all of us. Every one of us has got a gift. He's put gifting in us all. He saw enough in us to save us. And if he saw enough in us to save us, he saw enough in us to make us belong. We have a place at the table. I hope every single one of you this morning Fail that